14 feet in length, three and a half feet wide, believed by many to be the actual burial cloth of Jesus. Imagine that. Could it be? The Bible speaks of Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, purchasing a linen cloth taking the, the Lord down from the cross with help of Nicodemus, wrapping the body of the Lord, placing it in a tomb. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all make mention of that story. 
as you see depicted here above. Depicting the frontal and the dorsal, the front and back of what is apparently a crucified man. And the mystery is, how did that image get there? You take a problem, cover a corpse, you
That was reduced to three. That was scrapped. There was to be no conferring between the labs as to their own experiment. That was scrapped. And there was to be a verification process of the samples chain of possession. Everything videotaped. That was scrapped. As far as the quality and purity of the sample, there are two concerns. Was that sample homogeneous? <clears throat> that is, was it representative of the whole flock? And was there a possibility of contamination? Now, the sample was taken in this left-hand corner. You can see where a repair job was done there and there. And there's a seam running all along the strip here. At one time, the seam was removed, possibly once the body was wrapped, that thing was wrapped the legs around the net, and it sometimes was reattached. The sample was taken in that dark area. Let me blow it up. That dark area right underneath that obvious repair job. See how much darker it is than the image? Is that contamination? Peer-reviewed article published by Ray Rogers, a chemist for Los Alamos National Laboratory, heard that some were challenging the test. That it was part of a repair piece. He set up to prove them wrong and was amazed that he discovered there was cotton. What's cotton doing in this sample? It's made of flax. He found matter with dye. What was dye doing there? And a gum plant substance. He said, hey, you got into the part of an ancient repair job on this cloth. It's contaminated. After he passed away, eight of his scientific colleagues at the at both Alamos National Laboratories looked at his research and affirmed they came to the same conclusion. In the Middle Ages, tomorrow, May 4th, is an annual feast day for the Shroud Church. It was uh, annually, and probably other times as well, held up before the public. They can make a pilgrimage. You can be absolved of your sins, you know, indulgence, uh, and, and earn merits that way, uh, remission of sins, whatever. But see how the cardinals are holding up right along that strip and where the sample was taken. Over 30 hands through the years, handling that cloth. Well, normally the cleaning process is done before the rate of carbon dating would take all that away. But it was discovered that over this entire cloth is a thin microscopic layer of bacteria and fungi. They dated mummies where the wrapping of the mummy is a thousand years younger than the corpse. What happened? Did they rewrap that mummy a thousand years later? No, apparently, and they referred to this as a bioplastic. Here's another picture of crowds gathered in trade this shroud after the ladies. There is this film of bacteria that's not removed by the cleaning agents. It's built up a hard, they call it a bioplastic. If you've ever dealt with speaker wire, it has that clear outer coating. Something like that, the bacteria is built up, resistant to the cleaning agent that they would have used, and there's more carbon there from all that bacteria. So there's, there's reasons to doubt the experiment, don't make that the last word. There is so much overwhelming evidence otherwise that we want to share this morning. As we seek to move on, as you can find articles, this was in the Telegraph back in 2009, the current could be genuine as carbon dating as well. In fact, in a very prestigious scientific international journal, Nature, the scientific editor, Philip Ball, <coughs> this is the journal that published radiocarbon dating back in 1989. He stated about 10 years ago, it's fair to say that despite the seemingly definitive test in 1988, the status of the Shroud of Turin is murkier than ever. Not the least, the nature of the image and how it was fixed on the cloth remain deeply puzzling. There's been other scientific tests done to date this cloth back to the time of Christ. This one in the peer review uh, journal. We don't have time to talk about that. The, director, the current director of the Oxford Radio 
carbon laboratory, one of the laboratories that the rate of carbon. There's a lot of other evidence that suggests to many the shroud is older and the rate of carbon dates allow some further research to serve need. That's what I want to share with you this morning. For example, this textile historian, textile expert, who was going to be the one to cut the cloth and everybody had it, any association with cloth was removed from that dating. She never would have cut it when they did. But she said there have been attempts to date the shroud, but the style of sewing is the biggest clue. It belongs firmly to a style seen in the first century. Only place she's ever found this seen sewing like it's done with shroud is in the first century at Masada, that Jewish fortress. The weave is very unique. They did not find it in the Middle Ages where they could use it as a control sample. It's not diagonal and horizontal line, it's a Z twist, carrying bone weave. Very rare. Let me share with you 10 amazing discoveries that I came across as I've been researching this that I did not expect to find. I started out as a skeptic, I started out as a cynic. But I made 10 amazing discoveries along the way. And I'm going to do this in the style of David Letterman. We'll start at number 10. We'll work our way to number one. This image of a crucified man is not the work of an artist. The shroud for the last 440 years has been housed in this cathedral of St. John the Baptist in Turin, Italy, Turin, Italy, near the French Palace. In 1978, following a public exhibition of the shroud, some 30 scientists from America were permitted to analyze the shroud for five days in a non-destructive manner. These 30 scientists divided themselves into teams so they could analyze the shroud for 120 hours straight. Eight tons of scientific equipment over 70 crates. And they did a battery of interdisciplinary scientific tests upon this cloth. Discover if they could how this image was formed. And many of them, most of them started out very skeptic. They said, we, in 30 minutes, we're going to prove that this is a forgery. And we'll pack our bags and we'll be out of here. And they began to change their mind. I was convinced it was a forgery, but now there's no question in my mind that there was a scourge, crucified man in the shroud, said the blood chemist on that. After three years analyzing their research, they published their report, and in the conclusion, they said, we can conclude for now that the shroud image is that of a real human form of a scourge, crucified man. It's not the product of the nurse. And there's no reason to change that conclusion. There are a number of unique characteristics. The image is very superficial. You can take a razor blade, you can remove the image. It is, if you take a fiber of linen made of flax, there are many fibers, microfibers in a thread of linen. And the image is on the top one or two microfibers. It doesn't penetrate a whole thread very superficial. If you use paint, it would soak through a thread of linen. One of the fibers. It's very superficial. There were no paint, dots, chemicals, vapors, or scorches. No outline image like an artist would do. No brush strokes. A number of pathologists have looked at this and concluded it's perfect. Dr. Young is with us, uh, alumni of Pepperdine. He's very knowledgeable about the shroud, and I think he has a presentation where he dresses up as a pathologist. An autopsy, I guess, on the man in the shroud. Maybe he can be on the program next year, I hope. I'd love to hear that. The blood is actually human blood, AB blood type, universal recipient type. That is a rare blood type, only about 4% of the population. Rare among Europeans, but common among more common among the Jewish people. The blood is on the cloth before the image. 
marks, we'll get to them later, and there's like a blood stain right there, three. So on the left is a natural image with a naked eye, that's actually the negative. The photographic negative is actually positive, see how much it pops out? The natural image, the photographic negative, how you can see it much better through science. Side 
of this man who was horribly scourged, nailed in the wrist, stabbed in the side. Number eight, references to a cloth. And 
And uh, we'll give you 12,000 silver coins and 200 bridges. That sounded like a pretty good deal. And they made that trade. And here is a portrait, a 12th century reproduction of the 11th century painting of the emperor, Romanus I, receiving that claw, which you can see is not just a face image, but a whole claw. Well, again, I've got to move on. I've really got to stick on this. You've heard of the legend of King Arthur and Holy Grail. I, I would submit, uh, suggest, uh, from my research at least, that is a corrupt version of an earlier legend. That the Holy Grail was not the chalice fetching the blood of Jesus from the cross. The Holy Grail was the cross that caught the blood of Jesus. And King Arthur is really King Catholic. The ancient legend of how Christianity came to a paid king desolate. By means of a clock with the image of Christ. Here's a 10th century image, picture of this image of Jesus' faith in King Africa. Skip some of this, but you can't skip Antioch. There was what was called the discipline of the seed. Because of persecution, but Nero, for a couple hundred years, at times very You had to be very careful. If you had a treasure, you wanted to protect it. You didn't want to confiscate it. You don't have any written autographs of the New Testament. Paul's letters and such. They were all stolen and destroyed. If you had something precious like the cloth of Jesus with his blood, then you might need to keep that secret because the authorities, if they learned of it, they might want to confiscate it. And actually, in Antioch, there's a story of a man risking his life and was martyred because he wouldn't disclose the location of it once they were seeking the church So we've got Ithbus, the Greek word for fish. And the letters of that word is used as an acrostic to the ancient confession Jesus Christ, God's Son. And so if you're a Christian, you don't know a person you're talking to, a stranger, and since maybe he's a brother in Christ, you can stoop down and make half that fish sign on the ground. And if he's a Christian, he finished And you knew you were among friends and not foes. The discipline of the secret. Don't give that which is holy to God. Jesus. Tertullian, at the end of the Second century says, We little fish like our fish. We little fish like our fish, Jesus, are born in God. He is writing about the necessity of baptism. Now, we find about this time the inscription of Abraceus in the late second century, written in a mythological, a mythological, what do you call it? Um, uh, metaphorical, metaphorical, symbolical language. This man, a missionary, in this epitaph monument, describes how he had been called by the Pope to take Christianity to a pagan king. And he says, along the way, I came into possession of a, he's how he describes it, I came into the possession of a fish of exceedingly great song, which possessed wine of great virtue that was mingled with bread. My missionary journey, Isn't that interesting? We know from communion, the wine represents the blood of Christ, and the bread represents the body. And Jesus is the big fish. Isn't that interesting? About the same time, dated in the early third century, a childhood friend of King Catherine VIII, who lived at the end of the second and reigned at when there was a 13-year period of peace because the emperor married a Christian wife. And this Gnostic writer, traveling friend of the emperor of the age, says, on a sudden as I faced it, the garment, the robe, seemed to me like a mirror of myself. I saw it all in my whole self, moreover, I placed my whole self in it. For 
early first. Interesting verse in our Bible. You foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly, vividly portrayed as crucified. Early how is it that these Gentile Christians up in Galatia, hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem, and 20 years removed from the crucifixion, could be said to have seen the depiction of Jesus Christ crucified? Could it be that the shroud was used as an aid in evangelism? On that first missionary journey, and Barnabas and Paul, the Holy Spirit said to send them out to do the work that they had been called to do, and they got the church popped up, and they were sent off on that first missionary journey. Might they have taken this walk with them as an aid, a tool, an evangelist? <laughs> you foolish Galatians who had bewitched you before who died Christ Jesus publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, in my own examining of the text, we didn't consult the commentaries, and there's not a lot to, to, to learn, but in very fine commentaries. And in my own study of this, I, I think we have three options. And the most common way to understand that verse is that Paul is saying, you know, I was Jeff Walton, and I so dramatically portrayed Jesus Christ in my preaching that it's as if you were right, I stirred your heart in such a way, it was as if I, you were right, you felt as if you were right there for the cross when I was preaching. That's usually how this verse is understood. The verb, pro-bronco, is, so, so it's understood in this metaphorical way. It is preaching. Bronco is the common Greek word to write. Um, and we get our graphics from this word graphics. This word was used in the secular context when you wanted to post a public notice or depict someone a warrant. You know, when you went, if somebody had a warrant, the government had a warrant, you might depict this picture and post it up in a sign. This is how this verb was used. And it's used, raffle. So Cephas and Plato uses, they use it for painting. So another option is that Paul is impersonating Christ. He says in a few verses earlier in the context, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And then at the end of Galatians, he says, Don't trouble me anymore. I have on my body this stigmata, the marks of Christ Jesus. And he speaks elsewhere how he's been beaten times without number, he's eight times without a bit. I was stoned one time. I had the grand marks of Jesus on my body. Impersonated Christ. When his readers have understood that, when, when he wrote to them and said, You have seen with your eyes Jesus depicted as crucified, would they have understood? Would they have said, Well, wouldn't they see that? Did Paul speaking about himself? The third option, I think, not only supports the second, makes it stronger, I think it actually makes sense. And that is that Paul made use of the shroud as a man in his Here's how I would describe it. Here's a translation I come up with here. You foolish Galatians who have, and I think bewitched, in that superstitious age, people were very concerned about someone giving them an evil arm, casting an evil spell on them. You foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil eye upon you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed, posted up on a billboard we can say today, as having been crucified. The verb there is a perfect passing, it's a perfect tense. For my study of two verbs here, I come up with several conclusions that we can make from the syntax of this verb. Number one, 
They saw the Lord's crucifixion after the fact. He's not saying they were there 20 years earlier. They see his crucifixion after the fact. And the emphasis is on seeing, not hearing. Rather, it's not good for hearing. It's for depicting. It's for seeing the evil eye and their eyes. The emphasis is on seeing something, not hearing a sermon. And from that passing tense, the perfect tense, the passing voice about crucifixion, they had seen the lasting effects of the Lord's crucifixion. There was something that was abiding in that perfect tense that they had seen. That's some example of the If Paul is speaking of himself, I think it's really distracting. They haven't really seen Christ. That's actually what he says. You've seen it. You've seen Christ depicted like on a billboard as having been crucified. The last thing of Christ. I looked at other translations. The New Living Translation, Old Foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made to you as if you had seen a picture of his death. There's a couple of problems with that, though. There's no doubt about it. As if you had seen. That's not in the text. They've seen something. I look at Vincent word study in the text. I really like this rendering that he gives. Who could have succeeded in bringing you under the spell of an evil promise? When directly before your own eyes stood revealed the crucified That's a very good how else could that have been done? Which from that inscription, it looks like it was used as an aid for evangelism to King Edgar the aid. Could it have been used for a year by the apostles? In John's Gospel, it says, so the other disciple would first come to the tomb, probably John, then also entered and he saw. What did he see? There's no object to her. But for four verses, John has been talking about the burial. What did he see? Did he see the imprints? Did he see the image? Maybe that's understood by the Christian. The discipline of the secret. Not wanting to reveal too much. It's interesting that from the liturgy, a Spanish liturgy, we can take it back to the 6th century. Part of that litur liturgy says, Peter ran with John to the tomb and saw the recent imprints of the dead and risen man of the living. That sounds like a tragedy. I have an apologetic seminar. I seek to help people grow in their faith. And I think the shot of church is very effective in the age. And I use that as my final message in that science can try. We can understand it better than any generation before. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it can be very effective. So here's the historical trail. I've got about 15 minutes. Let's, let's hurry now through. Uh, number seven, Pauline on the cross makes this historical path more certain. There's been a couple of major studies by forensic botanists taking dust samples from the cross. Dr. Max Fry, a very eminent uh, criminologist in Europe, forensic botanist, professor, took 58 pollen, uh, from the dust samples, he found 58 pollen grains, 45 he said are from the region of Israel, two from Odessa, Turkey, one exclusively from Constantinople. Confirming that historical trail depicted. Professor of Botany at Hebrew University wrote a book on botany of the shroud. And he analyzed the images, the images of flowers. This man in the shroud of love. And his body is surrounded by flowers that were blooming in the springtime. And he said the best place of these of the pollen and the plants that he found on the shroud is 10 to 20 kilometers 
Here's an example from uh, about 1188 AD. Uh, again, the party here and such. Christian Emperor, just sitting in the second, late seventh century, the first to put the image of Christ on the coin. Where did he get that image? Long hair, long nose, party beard. There was a university professor. Vase from the about 600 AD. Where did that Jesus? From the sixth century, the monastery on Mount Sinai. Pontifical, the ruler of all. Somebody say. Since the early 70s, about 616 AD. 
And there are a number of similarities between this face model and the Shroud of Turin. Again, historically, it can be dated in Spain from the early 7th century, and then they came to Spain from Alexandria and then earlier from Jerusalem. Same. I don't mean to interrupt, but is that Sidarium of Sidarium, Sidarium of Oviedo. Rare blood type AB, again, the long nose, just like the shroud, eight centimeters. Pollen from a thorny plant that goes only in certain places in Israel in the spring. It has these long spikes and thorns. Same pollen on the shroud of Turin. 120 points of congruence between the shroud of Turin and his face cloth in Spain that had been brought to Spain in this box containing relics. And a study, the shroud of Turin and the sedarium of Avito covered the same face. Same face touched. For the victim depicted by this image fits only one person in one story in history. The person had a very unique crucifixion. Who else was crowned with thorns? Who else was stabbed in the side of the spear? Who else was scourged before they were crucified? Usually you read the scourge of the crucifixion. You don't have you don't want to go, you don't have to kind of go both. But we know Jesus underwent all these things. You can see damage to the knees. The Bible speaks of him falling in the way of the cross. We can't figure out how this image came to be, but the person we see here fits only one person in the history. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes. Number three, no one has been able to duplicate there have been many attempts to try to duplicate this image, but it's photographic, three-dimensional. The blood is there before the image. It's very superficial. There's no chemicals, no paint, no vapors involved. All naturalistic, artificial image-forming hypotheses tested have failed to account for many unique features of the image found in the book. Dr. Edward Hall, when he uh, dogmatically uh, established that, well, this set is the question explanation, and this is going to be more important. Somebody said, well, how is it important? They're not interested in that. Someone got a piece of cloth, faked it up, and put it. Well, it's much more complicated than that. If it wasn't right, then somebody reproduced it. No one's been able to. It's the single most studied artifact in human history, and yet there's no answer to the simple question. How would you Nature.com, a senior scientific journal, online, science editor. The shroud is a remarkable artifact, one of the few religious relics to justify the mythical status. It's simply not known how the ghost of any of the rain bitter things. It's the riddle of the ages. It's one of the most perplexing enigmas of all time. Number two, energy from the body produced the image on the inside of the cloth. Think about it. It's on the inside of the cloth you have the image. What produced it? Some sort of energy. From a dead body? Produced this? I came across this scientific article, and it wasn't about Shroud at all, years ago, but it said scientists have been able to photograph the moment of conception when a sperm fertilizes the egg. There's a flash of light, as you see here. Flash of light, the moment life begins. The leading hypothesis, there was a five-year study by, done by three teams of scientists over in Italy, part of the National Agency of New Technology, and they tried to five years to reproduce, replicate this image. And they said the only way we can do this is using a high-powered ultraviolet laser at a very one twentieth of a billion of a second. But only because it's reproduced a spot, it's very superficial, 
but it had the same shade, texture, shadow depth. But they said to produce a full body image would require 3D information, 14,000 lasers, and then 34 trillion watts of energy. Wow. No wonder we've not been able to reproduce it, huh? Sufficient levels of neutron. If, if this uh, ultraviolet radiation, radiation that aids the clock and dehydrates it, if uh, the nuclear physicists say if that added neutrons is processed, that also would account for a young kid. You have more carbon. Number one, what is the mystery that we want to discover today? What is it that we we just we discovered? That God gave us a miracle. God gave us a miracle. Praise God. He's such a good father. The image on the shroud of the miracle testifies to the truthfulness of the resurrection. And we can understand that better today in our science than anyone ever has before. It's a snapshot of the resurrection. I submit to you, this is the first selfie. <laughs> <laughs> I have these two images on my business card, and, and you're welcome to take one with you. But I hand it to somebody and they say, well, what's that? I said, that, my friend, is a dead man coming back to life. <coughs> that is the moment of the resurrection. That is God's gift. I've been great to submit. That is the Father's witness. He was at Jesus. Jesus was asked, who's your witness? He said, well, my works are my witness. My father is my witness. The father brought the son back to life. That is God's gracious gift to every down Tom. God's gracious gift. An image not made by human beings. One of these and the scribes came saying, we want a miraculous sign. He said, well, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. Nobody wants a sign. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights. Professor of philosophy, very esteemed philosopher. I want atheism to be true. It isn't just that I don't believe in God, it's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be. Professor Hart, I suspect you believe in the greater part of the day. You dismiss everything else. I'm not changed here. Jesus spoke in parables about those who would hate him, saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. He's enemies of
Don't know where you are in your dream. The scripture says, if you search for the Lord with all your whole heart, you will He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me I thought we, I was hoping we'd have time for questions, but you know, it's like the two kids, they went to church, and the Protestant boy, he was visiting the Catholic friend, and as he went to church, the, the Catholic boy was explaining all the rituals to him, and uh, then the next week, the Catholic boy went to the Baptist church, and uh, the minister didn't watch up, he's very beginning, he laid it there, and, and the Catholic boy asked the Protestant boy, not so much a question, but this looks like a highly detailed receipt for a death pay. So is there one good resource? Because there's been so much, there's a lot of resources out there, but you got to turn. Yes, but from a naturalistic standpoint, is there one From a naturalistic standpoint? Uh, no, I, I mean, there's a lot of naturalistic advice oh, that is discredited. Yes, yes, is sir. there a good There are resource? a couple of good resources online. Drive.com, the website of the Jewish person is on that scientific survey. The work of the shops are now about 40 years old. Excellent site at shop.com. I'll say it's shopresearch.com. Ian Wilson is a good couple of the shops, very good. One of the best resources is uh, John Jackson's book, uh, one of the original uh, physicists from the Air Force Academy in Colorado, He's researching about 40 years. He has a book on shopresearch. Thank you. 